The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring. We know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time, and usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. Today, we're going to hear from Adam, a current didactic student at Pacific University PA program in Hillsborough, Oregon. He went to Seattle University. He's going to tell us all about his background in sport and exercise science and working as an EMT and ER tech. And we're going to hear about how PA school is going and how he feels about Pacific. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast. We've been on a little break, but I'm happy to say that we are back. And this interview was actually recorded back in April. I'm not really sure how it didn't make it to being published. I'm not sure what happened there. I'll take all the blame. I'm Savannah, by the way, a Durham PA and creator of the PA platform. So I am excited for you to hear from Adam today. He reached out wanting to be on the podcast, which we love, and just wanting to share his experience and story because it was something that was helpful for him. So we'll get to that in just a second. If you're new here, there are tons of previous episodes to check out, and we'll be back with a bunch of new stuff coming your way, as well as some new ideas for videos and podcasts that I think will be really helpful and hopefully you guys will like them. Always open to ideas also. So if there's anything that you would like to hear about, please feel free to reach out and let me know. Okay. I want this to be something that's helpful for you and something that you really enjoy listening to. If you're a podcast person like me, or I've really been on an audiobook kick lately. So same difference. But I'm thankful you're here. If you enjoy the show, have any feedback, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Specifically, if it's five-star, that helps more people find the podcast and gives me a little encouragement to keep going. Before we get into hearing from Adam, we do have a sponsor for today's podcast, the Atlantis Fellowship. So this is the number one pre-health summer shadowing program. And it's really cool because it combines study abroad and getting to go internationally and learn about medicine in an international setting with getting some shadowing experience. So it's a little different if you're like me. When I went to UGA, all of the study abroads weren't really catered towards science students or pre-health students, and it just didn't make sense for me to go to Italy and learn about art, but it would have been really cool to go and get to shadow and learn about medicine in a different country. 
So we've had some great feedback in our Facebook group, and it is something that I recommend just checking out to see if it would be a good option for you. This is a really great way to spend your summer at an in-depth shadowing program where you get experience with multiple medical specialties, and there are a lot of really great options. We do have a video that I'll put in the description with an alumni who went on one of these programs so that you can really get that deep dive and hear about it. Her name was Carson, and then she also has her contact information if you have any questions, but we'll put a link to where you can get more details on that Atlantis Fellowship if it's something you're interested in. All right, we'll get into hearing from Adam. And also as a reminder, we are still in interview season. Please don't fret if you have not received an interview or heard back yet. Hopefully, fingers crossed, your time is coming soon. But we are happy to help you with mock interviews, with we have the PA school interview guide, the PA school interview course, and you can use the code future PA for a discount on anything on the PA platform website. So make sure you are taking advantage of that and all of our free resources with the podcasts you already hear, the blog, YouTube, social media. We're really trying to help you guys out. All right, let's hear from Adam and let me know what you think of this episode. My name's Adam Dinius and I am a didactic student at Pacific University, which is located in Hillsboro, Oregon. It's about 30 minutes from Portland, so the biggest major city. I would say my predominant healthcare experience is in emergency medicine. So I was an EMT for about a year and a half, and then I transitioned into an ER tech role. It's a common path for a lot of people I know transition into that. And I, let's see. In my free time, I like to lift weights and go to concerts. I know concerts are opening up now uh, with restrictions loosening, but yeah, cool. that's a little bit about me. Yeah, I definitely want to hear more about how you ended up at your program. I just want to make sure everybody knows this is not to be confused with University of the Pacific because I feel like that is such a common thing that people get so confused and yeah, anyway, they are two separate places that are near each other, but not. All right. Tell us a little bit about just what brought you to the PA profession. Yeah. So I, early on, I would say probably in like middle school, I, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, but I didn't really quite know what area or what role I wanted to have. So I started doing a little bit of research early on and I actually came across the PA profession quite early. I ended up, it just was luck of the draw, but I dealt with acne really bad as a kid. And I had an appointment with a provider and I didn't know my, like my mom made the appointment because I was too young and all of that. So I ended up seeing the provider and she was a PA. And so that was really my first exposure to the profession in practice. And she let me shadow her and come in several days and just observe what it's like to, you know, interact with patients. And so then I just kept, had that in the back of my mind and that's always what I wanted to do. And then went through education and kind of just researched along the way and found out the steps that I needed to take for patient care and volunteering and all of those things. But I, I would say that I'm glad that first exposure to the profession was a positive one because yeah. it jump-started my whole interest into um, wanting to be a PA. Shout out to all the Durham PAs. Yeah. <laughs> but that, no, I think those personal interactions 
are a lot of what commonly brings people to the profession because you realize, oh, there's someone else who does something similar to a doctor who's in medicine. But they're not a doctor. What is that? And then you can right. explore that a little bit. It is unique that you knew that early on. Like you said, like that's not that's still not the case. Most people are still not finding out about the PA profession until really towards the end or after their undergraduate career. So that's do you feel like that made the process easier for you? I yeah, so it is interesting because I know a lot of my friends in school found out about it in undergrad and even some junior, senior year. So like quite late. Yeah. But I think that it did make it somewhat easier for me as far as navigating undergrad and just doing the things to get a jump start on things. Cause I know a lot of people having to accumulate all the hours and various classes, it can become overwhelming if you're doing it last minute. But yeah, I, I would definitely say it, it benefited me. Yeah. So going into undergrad, kind of on that healthcare path, finding PA, what was your like steps that you took throughout undergrad to prepare for when it was time to apply? Yeah, I ended up meeting with, hello. <laughs> say hi. I ended up. No. You want to say hi? I'm Aurora. You're Aurora? It's Aurora. I love her. Aurora. She's my favorite princess. Ours too today. <laughs> Can you shut the door? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah. Let's see. Your so I, <laughs> yeah, my undergrad, they had, I know a lot of universities have like pre-health advisors. So beings that I knew I wanted to do this as a long-term profession. I ended up meeting with them a few times. It was helpful to get a broader knowledge on kind of what it takes to apply at everything. And I know students have good and daunting experiences with advisors and not, I think they're very realistic and beings that a lot of people come into undergrad saying they want to go into medicine, PA position and I think sometimes they may like scare students into thinking like they're not good enough or, but my experience was very positive again, and at my university, very uplifting and motivating. So that was a resource that I used. And then my undergraduate major was in sport and exercise science. A lot of programs that's called kinesiology, it was part of the kinesiology department, but that was just the name of the degree that um, my university chose. And so a lot of the courses in that um, degree fit nicely into PA prerequisites. And the major also allowed for me to take like the biology and chemistry and kind of the things that weren't required for that major. And then in between, I think it was the summer of my junior year of college, I enrolled in a EMT program. So it was an accelerated two and a half month course, I think. So it, it was, I think three or four days a week for seven or eight hours a day. And it was definitely a time commitment. Yeah. yeah. But I knew I wanted to get at least that certification done before I was done with undergrad so that I could just transition into working. Mm -hmm. 
And then my program actually was, they, they were fairly new at the time, I think maybe five or six years old. And so they were still working out things in their curriculum. And so part of it, part of the requirements was an internship. And so I reached out early on to the individual who ran that part of the program. And I explained, Hey, I have been wanting to go to PA school like for years and I'm not, I know I don't want to be a PT, like physical therapist and which is a lot of the students that I was um, enrolled with wanted to be PTs, be exercise physiologists and things like that. So I just explained to them, I have this opportunity uh, to gain patient care hours as an EMT. I will have been certified. Is this something that would fulfill that requirement, even though it doesn't directly relate to the major itself? And they were super receptive of that. I am. And so I'm thankful that I was able to even sooner start accumulating those hours while I was actually still in school. So I was working part-time while finishing the rest of my degree. So are you getting academic credit only or were you able to like get paid and get the academic credit? Yeah, I actually got both, which was, I know, I, I'm not sure kind of what the policy is now, right. but at that time they allowed me to get paid and get academic credit, which was that's great. I've heard that that's not super common. Yeah. So, yeah. Never know. Worth asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had an intern like type requirement because I was a straight biology major and we didn't do any of that. But then I'm seeing my friends, which exercise science was a very new major when I was in school and pretty much only like PT, pre-PT people did it. And then there was also health promotion, which was like this new major. And so I saw all of them doing these like projects and internships. And I'm just over here. Let me take another test. Let me take another <laughs> test. And I was so jealous. So looking back and now I try to encourage people to look into other majors because you can get experience while you're in school in some of those tracks. So that's really great. That worked out for you. When it came time to apply, were you thinking gap year, no gap year? What was your process? So I look, looking at the programs that the first couple that I was looking into to at applying to, I knew it needed. I, I think the average was like at least 4,000 hours. Okay. So it was a little okay. on, yeah, the higher end. There were a few that were like 2000, which is like a year of work experience. So I just decided to take a gap year. And so I continued working. I, I basically just kept my current role and just transitioned super nicely into working full time at the ambulance company I was working for. So I did that for about a year and then um, trying to think of the time. So that was like 2019. So I actually took, I think I took two years okay. uh, off. So I was able to get over the 4,000 hours. And so during that time was at EMT and then um, the theater hospital that we took a lot of our patients to, it's a local hospital that works closely with the company that I was working for. And so I know a lot of the, my coworkers would transition into that role to get more experience. So that's what I did. I started, you know, working part-time at ambulance and then starting at the hospital, but then transitioned full-time at the hospital. And I think that was like late 2019. And then 
and 2020 hit and all of that whole situation happened. And so I, I was still brand new. I think I was only five, four or five months into the job and then COVID hit. And then that was a big wake up call. And, um, yeah, it was a crazy experience, but I think it allowed me to grow immensely along with all of my coworkers. Yeah. 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 Okay. So just before we'll move on, but one question I get a lot is about gap years. Do you have any regrets to taking those years or do you look back and be like, oh, I probably should have applied sooner? I have no regrets. I bet everyone's. Yeah. I, so, just yeah, checking. I, I think, yeah, I think the time's important. I, I couldn't imagine going straight into school after going to school for four years. And I think, I think it allows you to grow a lot as a person Mm -hmm. and even in healthcare, just getting those, that those extra experiences and things like that, I think are super helpful going into PA school. Yeah, no, everyone says that. Yeah. I really have not ever heard anybody not like their gap year or feel like it prepared them very well for PA school. All right. So you were ready to apply. So do you apply in the 2020 cycle or? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I applied yeah, May of 2020. That was, that was a weird year to apply to. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least you weren't still in school because the undergrad people had so much weird stuff, like with prereqs being moved online or pass-fail. Yeah. There was so much weird stuff. So that was a benefit, and you had great experience. When you were researching schools and trying to make that plan, what were you looking for, and how did you come up with your list of places you were interested in? Yeah. So I knew I, I know you're not really supposed to say this, but like, I knew I wanted to be closer to home. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I knew I didn't want to go to the East coast. I've okay. lived Pacific Northwest my entire life and family's a big support system. So basically there was only, there's only one program in Washington. Yeah. which is UW at MedEx. And that was obviously somewhat high on my list just for location purposes. And then Oregon has three programs now. And then I applied to a few in Northern California just for kind of location preferences. And then looking at Ants pass rate and all of those things as well. But I would say what really helped me narrow down was just the added um, bonuses to the programs. Okay. So if they had like a cadaver lab or not, if they had simulation, like mannequin simulation scenarios, and then kind of what their clinical year looks like, are they, you know, mainly local? Are they a travel program? I learned a lot of what entails in that circumstance later on as I was applying. And then also their mission statement, if that, that aligned with my values. So, yeah. Okay. How many programs? So, you ended up applying to how many programs? I applied to 12. Okay. Good number. Yeah. What were yeah. your outcomes? Yeah. Interviews, so, acceptance, that stuff. Yeah. I was, I interviewed at... George Fox, which is in Oregon, and I was waitlisted there. And then I was interviewed at Pacific, obviously, and then ultimately ended up accepting there. And then I had, so after I had been accepted to Pacific, which was 
pretty, I wouldn't, I guess it was early. It was, I think September, October of 2020. So it still lent some time for some schools that were starting later to set their interviews out. I I think I ended up turning down three interviews after that. Most of those were California schools. So I, I just knew, um, even if I got accepted into those programs, I wasn't going to attend. And so I just didn't go through the interview process for those programs. But yeah, so I think I got like four or five interviews and then one acceptance. So, okay, awesome. Yeah. Were all of your interviews virtual? One of them was in person. Really? Yeah. What? We, the, and it was in July of 2020. Yeah. Old, old school. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah, we, we had the face shields and yeah. all of those things, but yeah. I, I, they, and then I think shortly after it, they transitioned into like online or in person. So it was kind of like if it was, you were concerned that you could do a virtual. Yeah. And then if you were like traveling from far away, obviously it's more uh, convenient to do virtual. So but yeah, you, most of the other ones. how do you feel about that experience? Do you feel like it affected how you performed or how you got to know the school or how they got to know you at all? Because I think it, it definitely has changed the interview world because even last year, most interviews were virtual and this year we don't know yet, but I anticipate it's probably going to be a mix of still in-person and probably offering the virtual. But what, how do you feel in that process? And so it was a little probably different than you were expecting to do. Yeah. So I think it, with it being my first cycle, I think it was somewhat interesting because I had that in-person interview like in the beginning. And so then I was like, okay. And that was like an MMI style. That was difficult. I, with it being my first interview, never doing MMI, anything like that before. But then the rest of the interviews were the more traditional, like you have a faculty and then a, either a, like a preceptor or a past student in the panel. And then they were just asking you questions to get to know you. And, but I would say it, I think it depended on the program and kind of how they were utilizing Zoom. And I know some programs had super awesome videos, very clear instructions. We had a whole online orientation like during the week leading up to our interview. So I thought that was unique. Yeah. And all the materials were presented. You had a folder for each day you were supposed to look at. And then there were Q and A's and student panels and the faculty panels. So yeah, I think it just depended on how invested the program was into making that switch. But as far as the interview itself, and I would say I was still able to connect with the interviewer, but it definitely, as far as like the on-campus portion, because I know a lot of times they'll do like a tour and you can meet with students in person. I think I definitely wish I would have had that experience, but the interview itself was very comfortable. I, I think I actually found it more comfortable, like being in my own home. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that I would suggest though, is if you have pets, figure out if, even if you lock them in a room, they will start banging on the door and all those, there's just things that I didn't think about and, or like the landline phone. Like if you still have, I was in my parents' house. And I never thought about the landline phone ringing. 
And so that started happening. So there's just, there's so many things to think about. Um, You will see to find like a little, like I'm going to go in like the bathroom and not or find like the smallest little part of my house where no one can bother me. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, I guess like short answer, I don't think, I think in the grand scheme of things, it, it wasn't that big of a deal and it didn't make me more nervous um, doing it via Zoom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you got yep. accepted. So we're good. They all worked out. Was there anything on your application that was like a red flag or a weakness that you were concerned about them bringing up or when to felt like you had to address throughout the application process? One thing was, is that I had a W in organic chemistry one and I was in that course. I think it was my first year of undergrad and the, my school, their chemistry series was a little bit, yeah, it, yeah. it's different, but <laughs> so I was not in a super great headspace when I was taking that class. And so I like that was the first class that I ever got a 40% on a test. Like it was bad. And so I tried to go through that whole process. I tried to stick it out, but it just wasn't getting any better. Like I was going to tutoring. I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do. So I just decided to withdraw, not knowing really what that meant in the long run. I just knew I needed to get out of this situation. Like it wasn't healthy for me. I ended up actually Pacific, the school that I am currently at requires Okin. And so when I was applying to that school, I knew I had to take it. And again, so I, the quarter before, so I think that was like 20 fall of 2020, I enrolled in an online OCHEM class. Okay. So I ended up retaking it, was super stressed out because I had to get a C in it or else I could not attend the program. You already accepted. You like acceptance pending you complete this course. Correct. Okay. So I was super nervous because I was like, if I don't get a C, I'm already accepted. I will not be able to attend this program. So that was, I was under a lot of pressure for that, but ended up going out really well. So I would say to any student that like thinks they can't do OCHEM, you can do it because I did it. And you did it online? Online, yeah. Gosh, okay. Yeah. But but yeah, so definitely I was concerned about that. And, but actually it, it never got brought up explicitly in any of my interviews. There was the time, like the question that you're asking me right now that was posed by interviewers. Was there anything you want to tell us that you might, you're concerned about or whatever? And I just explained that whole situation and all the interviewers are super receptive of that. I think it's a pretty common thing. I didn't know until after the fact how common it was. So I would say to any student that has a W or maybe even a few W's, it's not the end of the world. Um, Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, it actually shows more maturity to walk away from the class and take a W than to stick it out knowing that you're struggling, you're not, something's not working and just get a bad grade than to right. have that self-awareness to be like, all right, let's revisit this later. W's not yeah. a huge deal. So. Yeah. Well, and I think like if, if you're, if you're spending so much time on this one class 
and we are not going to get a good grade. My other grades were starting to not do well. And so I would pose it as that too. All of these courses factor into your GPA. And so it's just this one course if it's taking up so much of your time. So That's true. You lose your focus from other places. Okay. So let's kind of transition to PA school. When did you start? I started May of uh, this year or last year. Yeah. May of last okay, year. So you're almost a year in. Yep. How almost many- done. Oh, with didactic? Oh, nice. Yeah. So how, give me like the lowdown of like how many students are in your program, how long it is, that stuff. Yeah, we have 56 uh, students, I believe now. I think we started with 60, 60 I think. Okay. And then our program is 27 months. So we start in May and then go to August of the following two years. Okay. Yeah. And it's, let's see, they, as far as like the curriculum, they're a modular based program. And so we do, we'll do the patho, anatomy, pharmacology, all of those separate lectures in one module. And then at the very end, we'll do one big test. So we're not taking a lot of like smaller um, exams, which I know is different um, from program to program. You want your yogurt? I okay. Enjoy. Can you? Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. No, closed is good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Snacks and TV, we're good. <laughs> okay, so is there anything that... I feel like sometimes looking at PA school websites, and you talked about the curriculum a little bit, but all the stuff kind of runs together, and it all looks the same. Mission statements start to sound the same, yep. and, and classes, like, for an example, I've been editing a lot of supplementals, and one of them was asking like why do you want to go here and someone said because you specifically teach ophthalmology and I was kind of like what I was like all the schools are going to teach ophthalmology but when you look at the website some of them will list out the subjects and some of them don't I think there's some like misconceptions there but is there anything about your program that people just wouldn't know or get from the website like insights to why somebody, if they're thinking, maybe I want to apply there, maybe I don't, that would be helpful for them to know? Yeah, I would say that as far as me, like researching Pacific, when I was trying to figure out if I wanted to apply there, I would say a lot of the information that is on the website correlates to my actual experience. It it definitely took some digging because it's clicking on different links and things like that. But I would say that if, if you're, if you know that during clinical phase, you want to see a broad range of um, types of practice, different environments. They're, they are a travel program, so they'll send students um, all over the country. They have connections in many different states. So I would say if that's something of interest to you, Pacific's definitely a great school to go to. And then also we have two different tracks that students can opt into. One is the global healthcare track, and then the other is the rural healthcare track. 
Yeah. So I know the website um, has a little bit of information about those, but I, I have friends in both tracks and our super great experiences. The global healthcare track is setting you up if you want to go on an international rotation. So Pacific has quite a few international rotations. I think South America, there's some in um, Asia, some in Africa. So definitely good experiences there. And then the rural healthcare track, it allows students to become part of the AHEC scholar program, which then allow, opens up the door um, to different scholarships and things like that, loan repayments. And faculty runs that who has worked in rural healthcare for many years. That's one of her passions. And they're also a priority for getting a rural rotation. So if that's something the students are interested in, uh, we're working in rural healthcare, the door. a lot of them will end up um, enrolling in that program. So yeah. Not opening that. No, you've already had it too. No. Yes, I'll be done in just a second. She's taking liberties now, so she's okay. going to eat an entire yeah. box of yogurt. That's really cool. Those are definitely unique to your program. Some programs will have a focus or whatever, but to have choices is very nice. And at least have yeah. you know, people to support you in that and faculty and all of that who are knowledgeable and can guide you a little bit. Yeah. And then there's one other thing too, Pacific there. I'm not sure how long the program has been going on, but they do an interprofessional. It's like a case study based two hour block uh, every week. And so you'll meet in like a group and you'll be posed with a case and you're, you just discuss it. You have a, like a faculty lead of that session, but it just gives you an opportunity to be exposed to different professions. Mm -hmm. Like we have ophthalmology, high, dental hygiene, physical therapy, pharmacy in our uh, school of health professions. So it's still a uh, newer. And then especially we did it all online this year. So I think if it was more in person, it would be a little bit easier to connect with those people. But yeah. If that's something students are interested in, that's a good experience that I didn't see at all the programs that I was applying to. Yeah, so that's really cool. I think there's a, a bigger push for that now to starting interprofessionalism early versus what you're a PA and then trying to figure all that out. Yeah. How has didactic been for you? Easy? Great? All the things. All, yeah. all the emotions, all the things. I would say it's been pretty good. It's... I know some of the PAs that I shadowed with, they, I'm also engaged. So I'll just say that. So that was a big thing going into PA school, like not knowing how this would affect my relationship. So they were all telling me, you're never going to see her. It's going to, it's just, it was almost scary, but then I got into it and it's not that bad. You just have to plan out your day, plan out your studying, and then you'll have time for all the um, other things in your life. But as far as academics goes, all I felt I, I felt pretty prepared for all the exams that I went into. They're all multiple choice tests, which I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's how all programs are. Yeah. 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 So like academic wise, it's gone really well. And then as far as moving and adjusting and things like that, that was you know tough early on, but you adjust and you get used to like your new environment. And then the support system in PA school, I know that's talked about a lot and us as students, we support each other. Like, I, I think it's one of those things where no one really knows what you're going through, except the people that 
are going through it with you. So leaning on your classmates in stressful times has been really helpful. But yeah, we've had a mixture of online, in-person, pre-recorded lectures. So just navigating like the surges that have happened over the last years, transitioning into like a Zoom lecture for a few weeks until the surge was going down. It was all kind of very fluid and changing. But yeah, for the most part, we've been in person, which um, I've been thankful for as well. Being at home is nice sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, seeing, seeing your classmates is good. Yeah, that it is a bond that is hard to, I don't know, like you said, they just, they know what you're going through and it's just very different. And that's, I have three of my best friends from PA school and two of them live near me, one doesn't, but those are the ones that like, now at this point, we're all done with PA school. We're all moms and actually three of us are in Durham. So it's, we can really understand like those hard days, the burnout, all that stuff. So it's nice to have those people even that have been through it. And then you get to the other side and they're like, still your people that get it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I would say, I think we, and I'm not sure I did you get married in NPAs? I did, yes. That's what okay. I got married. So my program was actually identical to yours. It was 27 months, started in May, finished in August. So I would have gotten, I got married in between, basically like right now, like in between the spring didactic and the summer didactic semester where we had basically a few days off and yeah, yeah just made it work. Yeah. Yeah, actually, one of my good friends, she got married in PA school. I think it was kind of like your situation where yep. it was like a summer break and only had a few days. But yeah, so basically, like you can have other things in your life yeah. going on. Don't be scared by that. I know it definitely waked me out early on, but it'll be okay. <laughs> like you, you will find how to study. And I think it's different for everyone. People do charts, people do quizlets, people do all those things. But I would just say find what works best for you and don't feel like you have to do one way or the other. Yeah, you're not no. going to be able to do everything. No. no. Even if you want to. Okay, so now that you're got to get your acceptance, breathe a sigh of relief, you're in the thick of it now. But thinking back to what you did throughout undergrad, but really your like application cycle because it is application season right now. <laughs> what, anything you wish you did differently or that you would like, what advice do you give people when they're like, I want to be a PA, what should I do? What kind of stands out to you as this is what I would want to tell people who are applying right now? Yeah. So I would say as far as the application itself, not feeling like you have to like do everything all in the beginning. I think just doing those basic things like getting your transcripts, getting your letters, do all those things. Don't try to rush it because it's not a race. And I definitely wish I would have started my personal statement a little earlier um, in the year. I think I started it fairly late. It was like, like maybe March. So I wish I would have started it like in January just so I could have more time and be like less time crunched. Because some of the programs I was applying to were rolling admissions. I mean, that inherently has a pressure aspect to it. And then 
I would say before, if, if it's before application cycle, really trying to get those volunteer hours in. I know that it's been hard, like with COVID and the restrictions and things like that, but I found it hard finding places that would allow me to volunteer. So just as early as possible, just getting those connections to volunteer. And then I know a few of my classmates actually started doing patient care, like very early on in undergrad, mm -hmm. which I, I didn't start doing that until senior year. So I think it's definitely possible, I think, to not take a gap year if that's not something you're interested in. But I definitely wish I would have started um, at least working a little bit earlier on because maybe I wouldn't have had to take as long of a gap. But yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I think, I think those are the big things. Yeah. And you'll be okay either way. <laughs> yeah. At the end of it. it may take longer than you wanted to or look different, but it will be fine. Yep. That's what I keep telling people right now. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Good luck with the rest of didactic and clinical. We can give it two years and check back in and you'll tell us about your PA life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm super excited for clinicals. Yeah. I, I hear that's like where everything kind of yeah. comes together. It just makes it, <laughs> yeah, a lot more fun than sitting in a classroom, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And hopefully this is helpful to someone out there. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. We we love having that inside scoop and hearing about every, everybody's path is unique. So it's always helpful to hear all those little tips and pearls that you have. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome.